All right, this is uh, Yangara Estate Vineyard, Monday, May 2nd. This is segment two, take one. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio, and I am uh, out in downtown Bellevue for part of our In the Vineyard series where I have a chance to meet uh, traveling winemakers and bartenders and distillers, etc. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Peter Fraser, the winemaker for Yangara Estate Vineyard, which is uh, in Australia, in the um, southern area, South Australia, close to Adelaide of McLarenville. So Peter, we were just talking about the unique diverse soils you have at the Yangara Estate. Let's talk about the wines that you're producing from uh, this area. Um, so as I kind of talked about, we, um, as when we bought the estate, we started kind of looking at what grew best in our region, and um, and I also mentioned that it's a very Mediterranean climate. Um, we have a lot of um, some of the oldest vines in the district are actually Grenache, and um, it's always been my belief that Grenache is probably the jewel in the crown. The um, uh, the real star of the region and um, as a result a lot of the development has um, been around developing the southern Rhone or the Chateau Neuf de Pup varieties, the 13 um, Chateau Neuf varieties and um, some of those are not actually in Australia and uh, for the last five years we've actually been working on bringing in uh, Grenache Blanc, um, Claret, uh, Bourbon our pick Paul Blanc and um, so we've been planning we'll actually be making our first Southern Rhone white blend next year in 2017 so it's still a, probably a couple of years away from coming into the marketplace um, and uh, we've been actually making a, a Roussan for since 2007 which actually hasn't really been coming to the US it sells out in two or three months in Australia um, but hopefully 2016 vintage I'm, I'm looking to bring it um, to this part and um, so and then from a red perspective um, like I said Grenache is, is just incredibly exciting from this vineyard and, and also this region McLaren Vale and uh, so we do a GSM and obviously we Shiraz is um, you know a, a mainstay of our region as well and um, it represents probably about 50% of the estate um, planted acres and so we we do um, a Shiraz, three, three different Shirazes and um, the um, you know, some individual block stuff and then, you know, uh, a Shiraz that encompasses the whole estate. And your total wine, uh, your wine offerings uh, are what, six, seven different bottles or how many bottlings do you produce? Um, from the estate it's about 11 and um, of which we're probably only really bringing six into the US at as we speak. When I had a chance to visit Savor Australia several years ago in Adelaide, I tasted some amazing wines that I've never seen before here in the United States. Obviously, uh, you have to have a, a greater production from Australia to make sure you have an allocation for the United States, but I, I do realize that all the good wine pretty much gets drunk up. Um, you know, you're drinking locally, which is, is fantastic. And I'm excited to taste the wines. How many wines will we be tasting today? Uh, we're going to taste six, and um, we're going to do... Um a GSM um, Grenache Shiraz Mavedra blend to start with and then uh, I've got our old vine Grenache which is um, um, 
1946 planted? Planted in 1946. And then um, within those six blocks of the old bush vines, there's one single block that's the same age, but it just is in a, in a tough piece of ground of the sand. Um, the sand's a bit deeper. Um, I think it must just have a little bit less nutrient and it's kind of at the top of the hill of the estate and so we call that the high sands and um, so that's a single block Grenache that year in year out we never kind of make much more than 250-300 cases. In some years it can be as low as you know 100 cases so it's very much dictated by that little small plot. Um, and then we're going to slip into some three Shirazes, really three um, very different wines. Um, I've got a, a project that I've been playing with for three years now and um, we've just brought a tiny amount in um, as a um, just, just to kind of we're, we're throwing it at a few different um, states and we've done a preservative free Shiraz that's um, drank drunk young and fresh and uh, and we've got our estate Shiraz that encompasses the whole property. Um, and then we do um, Ironheart, which is, I talked about that ironstone soil, um, a Shiraz that, that comes off probably our best block of Shiraz off the estate that really showcases that, that iron stone character throughout the wine. Well, I'm very excited to taste the wines, especially from uh, looking at this map. It's such a diverse uh, soil profile. Um, looking from the top down here on the Angara estate, I see nearly 20 different varieties planted throughout the uh, the vineyards, and you can also see the color of, of soil, which changes from red to white, uh, and of course you have some green in there from the, the vegetation. Um, when it comes to planting these many varietals, where did you actually go to the south of France and, and hook up with a Beaucastel or somebody to get these these plantings, this vine stock from the, the Vacaras and, and Berbalonc and Muscardin, I mean, those are grapes that we don't see much of. They're actually not very populated in um, uh, in the Southern Rhone either. So that's uh, uh, some of these uh, was our desired planting. Um, we actually haven't been able to get Vacarais and we haven't been able to get Terret Noir. The French actually won't give it to us. Um, so bringing new varieties into Australia is a very difficult and drawn out process. We have a three year quarantine process and uh, South Australia doesn't have phylloxera so um, it's very important um, that, that we follow all the quarantine processes and um, so we're working with a nursery that um, is tied with probably the leading nursery in, in France um, called Ontav. Um, they're responsible for all the kind of cutting edge clones of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay and, um, and, and you know, right across different varieties. And uh, so we've just been quietly plodding along with them. But that quarantine process, they only bring in 20 sticks of, of the variety. So, um, and once that gets cleared quarantine, it's, it's a very slow process for them to get um, basically multiplied um, to, a, to a reasonable volume that you can actually plant a, a small block of it. Um, so, but uh, we're, we're at, the, at the mercy of, of the, um, 
you know, this is all government-controlled countries, <laughs> so it's, it's... I remember my trip to Australia, they came into the plane and started spraying um, disinfectant in the air. I thought that was really, really funny. Um, well, let's talk about the wine here. You, uh, it sounds like you've hung your hat on uh, the, the lovely red grape uh, Grenache, um, Garnacha in Spain. And interesting too that Australia has a couple different names for uh, Mataro would be one of the names for more Vedra that you might hear uh, around the world. Um, obviously known for Grenache, Syrah, and Morvedra, uh, Shiraz of course is uh, probably the, the king of, of the grapes in Australia. But Grenache is one of those that as a sommelier we taste a lot of because this is one of those classic red fruit varieties. Um, let's talk about this particular wine. The wine we're drinking is? So this is the um, 2013 Old Vine Grenache. I think one of the exciting things, and I, I think why, you know, people that are really passionate and 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 interested in in wines. Um, so personally, what what really excites me about wine is wine with provenance, um, wine that comes from a particular vineyard by a particular winemaker has a particular taste and a particular style. Um, grape varieties like Pinot Noir, Grenache, uh, Nebbiolo have something more in common um, than their what I call nearly a chameleon variety. They take on um, their soil, their their um, winemaker, their oak, their you know they take on everything and they give you an expression. Uh, more so than say Cabernet or Shiraz where where they're you know a, a bit more um, about the variety than about the place and showing their their individual characters and um, so to me I find Grenache really expressive um, of its place and um, and its soil etc etc um, and the other beauty of it is is all three of those varieties um, walk this this beautiful and fascinating line of um, they're pretty, they're beautiful, um, especially when they're made well. Um, and but they also, when they're made really well, they have an intensity and a concentration of flavour. And um, so for me, I just love the, the the extremes of the the prettiness and the beautifulness of the varieties, but then the the concentration and the, and and when you see the great ones that are at really low yield, you know their tannin and their texture is is divine and so and and again the other part is makes them a bit of a holy grail is that all three great varieties are actually really quite hard to make. Um, you know they're in great sites, they low yielding and um, with some very sensitive wine making, they they can you know be incredibly rewarding. In the wine, you said, what's the vintage of this particular old vine, Grenache? This is a... So this is 2013. 2013. Ah, so relatively fresh. Remember, folks, uh, in Australia, in the Southern Hemisphere, they're um, harvesting grapes at the beginning of the year and not at the end, like here on the Northern Hemisphere. Hey, when we come back from this break, we're going to uh, dive into this wine, talk more with Peter Fraser, winemaker for Yungara Estate Vineyard in McLarenville. Stick around, folks. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio. All right, segment three, take one. 
Hey folks, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I am in downtown Bellevue at John Howie Steak for uh, an In the Vineyard series interview with uh, my new friend, Peter Frazier, who is the winemaker for uh, the Jackson family, Yangara Estate Vineyard in McLarenville. And Peter, we're about to uh, dive into this uh, lovely inky red-purple um, Grenache. It's 2013, comes from your uh, the vineyards planted in 1947. I'm looking at this picture here. This is not necessarily a, a vine training that I'm familiar with. This is looks like it's sort of done its own thing for a lot of a lot of years. What's this picture of? Uh, is this a particular type of vine training? Um, so this is a classic bush vine, um, or what would be called vase shape. Um, so in Chardonnay de Pup, uh, all vines are planted in this style by law. Um, they actually. The, the appellation dictates that they must be planted as a bush vine. Um, the old timers that planted these vines, um, you know, basically followed that, that that's how they were planted. If you drive through Spain, you'll, you'll three, see uh, acres and acres and acres and acres of um, Grenache or Tempranillo planted as a bush vine. This one looks pretty tall. Can you tell me exactly what the, d- the, the dimensions are? actually shows it as being tall, but the reality is it's actually probably only waist height. Oh, okay. That's why I'm, I'm taken aback a bit because it looks like a giant, giant vine here, especially in the bush training, you think a little closer to the ground. Um, what's the typical yield? I mean, I'm looking at one, two, maybe 12 different clusters on this. Is that about average? Is this yeah, before sorry. green harvest? Um, no, they, that's actually probably a fruitful vine. Um, so we wouldn't ever get any more than two tons an acre, so we'd consider we'd be jumping for joy getting two tons an acre off bushfire Grenache. Um, I would say we would average about 1.5, um, and then our, our high sands block would be lucky to ever get above one tons per acre. Um, so you're looking at incredible concentration, but, you know, I don't want you to... to um, uh, think that because these wines are so concentrated that they're going to be big fruit jammy bombs um, these wines have a, a prettiness uh, a lovely red fruit um, there's no sweet jammy middle palate here these are um, got an incredible natural acidity and um, you know they've nearly got the pH of a white wine and um, I think that's what makes them uh, these Grenache that that elegant fruit and but with a really good tannin backbone and and a really good acidity line to it um, make them such good food and restaurant wines. Well I'm thrilled you said the magic words for me natural acidity and uh, I know that when you have great ripeness it's hard to maintain natural acidity and uh, I'm sensitive to some of the things they add to wine to balance it out um, only because they typically add it for the moment not for five years later so those wines tend to be out of balance after that. Well let's take a sip of this when you talk about your harvest is everything hand harvested or do you use a back basket press which are some of the old style old world style techniques but I do know that there's a labor shortage in Australia so um, how are these grapes being picked? So, being bush vines, you you can't pick them with a machine. Um, the, the, you would just crumple the machi- the the um, vines, and um, so um, yep, they are whole hand picked. We'll have uh, up to eighty to hundred people out there picking during harvest, and um, so it's um, yeah, it's it's a they're hand 
hand pro everything's by hand <laughs> um you know and the, the vineyard's also um certified biodynamic so we do a lot of hand work in the in the vineyard to to maintain um the estate and um and like you know if they were trellis there's a bit more machine work that you could do to to kind of make life a bit easier but um they're not and um that's part of the beauty of of um these these bushfire and Grenache. Let's talk about your um, your crushing process. Is this a basket press, pneumatic press, and are you fermenting in um, stainless steel or are you macerating? What's the sort of take on this wine? How do you get such a concentration? Yeah, the concentration is all about the fruit. We actually make this like Pinot Noir. Um, we try to to make as little impact on the extraction as possible. Um, so we have a sorting table that we bring in. Um, they're not relatively common in our parts of the world, but we find because of the age of the vines and the low yield, we get a reasonable amount of raisins even at lower sugars. And um, so it's really important to take the raisins out. And um, we then um, do a lot of whole berry. Um, we don't do a lot of crushing. Um, and then, um, but because of the sorting process, we also don't do a lot of whole cluster either. And then um, we generally do a cold maceration for about five days in our open fermenters. And then we might spend um, two to three weeks in our open fermenters. And then, uh, you know, the free run obviously go off to barrel. Um, and the press, um, the wines are pressed in, in um, uh, basket presses. We don't own a pneumatic press. Um, so it's pretty old school. I also mess around. Um, uh, more specifically, I have a single um, vineyard or a single block wine that I make in ceramic eggs, and um, so we've been doing some some really exciting kind of stuff with with the um, Grenache in, in ceramic eggs as well. So lots of. Um, I always say what's old is new. <laughs> and you've got some toys, it sounds like. Well, I'm tasting this uh, this lovely dark inky red Grenache. Um, this has a lot more structure than a, a typical uh, Aussie Grenache. I think they tend to be more strawberry, raspberry, candied, light with a hint of bramble. But this definitely has um, a, a moderate plus body to it. The concentration of dark red fruits versus the lighter strawberry style of red fruits. Um, is, is this what you call, um, in your mind, classic Grenache? Or is, there, is this more a McLaren style? Or, or how do you sort of describe this style of wine? Uh, it's a Yango style. <laughs> um, no, it, it's kind of been a bit of a forging our own way. And um, we've, people always say that they're shocked um, to see how much structure and, and, um, and, and when I say structure too, they're far from extracted. They have a, a you know, when you drink a, imagine you know some of those lovely Nebbiolos, or even say an Eschazo Pinot, that you know are infamous for their their tightness of, on the palate and that structure and focus. Um, that's kind of what we get, and um, some of it's the the concentration of the fruit, some of it's maybe the winemaking. Um, yeah, and I'd like to think that we're we're presenting Grenache in a in a serious fashion um, that isn't just. Um, you know those those candy kind of soft fruits and um, maybe some of it's the sorting removing in raisins um, you know raisins will give you some of that jamminess some of that um, candied character but 
we we get it year in year out in this character and style and been working with this vineyard now for 20 years and I think I'm slowly getting getting my hands around it. <laughs> well, I find that the the beauty of this wine is truly in its balance. You've got uh, the great structure, of course, but the ripeness of fruit, and the alcohol is definitely in check. Um, I mean, this is not a hot wine, and it actually has a, a moderate plus finish with good complexity. Uh, I'm tasting, you know, it's really a moderate firm tannin here, but it tastes like lots of grape. Is there perhaps 20% new oak on this wine? Zero, new zero. Oak. Okay. Um, Grenache seems to fight with with new oak, and um, there's some some growers, um, more so on the Brosser, um, that probably get some pretty big points that are 100% new oak, and I I personally find that style in Grenache um, quite obnoxious, and <laughs> Grenache is quite a pretty variety. We can go to Spain for some of that, right? Yeah. yeah very yeah. good. Uh, well. Peter Frazier, um, winemaker at Yungara State. Uh, it's a treat to have you here in Seattle and Bellevue. Um, what's the website we can find and get more information about your wines? Um, so, yangara.com, so it's pretty simple. Y-A-N-G-A-R-R-A. Um, so, it's, um, excuse my accent, it's probably need a translator. <laughs> Well, we've got it, uh, and the wines speak for themselves. Congratulations. Great to meet you, and uh, thank you for so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. It's my pleasure. Thank you.